are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and across the table from me in my daughter's nursery is... (laughs) Wayne Randolph. Yeah, we're recording in your house. Yeah, again. Super cool. Um, this time we've moved from the blue room to the nursery room, and so there's all sorts of pink, girly accoutrement. Oh, wow. We should probably take pictures and put this somewhere. Probably. There's at least one or two people who want to see this. Yes. I'm going to um, take one now as we're talking. That's smart. Um, hey, Wayne. Hey, dude. What were you it's been doing? a while. Yeah. What were you doing a week ago? Um, a week ago, I was getting back from um, Guatemala. With a bunch of students. I went with um, 15 students to Guatemala. Why? Ultimately, hopefully to change their lives. Um, but uh, under the guise of this thing called short-term missions. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, what's funny is that um, our school has a lot of these like mission trips. But what's funny is I think that we're slowly but surely changing our vocabulary mm-hmm. to calling them... Service learning. Service learning trips. I think that that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Ministry experience or, I don't know, things like that. Um, Christian living. (laughs) Yes. Do you you remember your first short-term missions trip? I do. Sorry, I was sipping coffee. Um, I totally do. I'm a missionary's kid, Chris. So, yes, I remember remember all my adventures in my youth. So what was the first one that you can remember? Because I'm sure that you went on some before you fully came online and your brain Does that, started working. I was going to ask, so, that, so like five years old, my parents putting me on a plane by myself to Haiti. That doesn't count? Perfect. That counts. <laughs> yeah, that count? Well, you remember it, so uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so that first trip, um, it was, and actually it was, we were receiving students as well. My, my father was working for Youth for Christ, and so mm-hmm. we received a, a team of, of high school students and we're working in Haiti and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Nice. I saw some crazy stuff. So as Christians, so you've been doing it since you were five. Um, I became a Christian in sixth grade, um, but I remember as early as seventh or eighth grade going on a short-term missions trip to Mexico. That was your first one? That was my first one. Yeah. That makes sense for those of us living in Southern California. Mexico yes. is, there. it's right there. Which is interesting because when you go on those organized <laughs> Mexico trips, there's so many Canadians. Huh. Like Maybe. they don't want to help us. <laughs> So go back. So tell me about your first one. What was that uh, like? It was just you know what when you think of a stereotypical short term missions trip, um, it involves little kids, cool, um, and VBS, excellent, and crying on the last day, excellent. Did you all have T shirts that said uh, like we're on this mission, we're on this team, something like that? I think we went with Youth Unlimited Gospel Outreach, mm. also known as Yugo, um, and we had all the Yugo shirts that year. I remember it was a like. Like a cafe con leche color shirt. Ugh. Yeah, it was like a pasty white, not very flattering. Welcome, on. welcome to missions, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was nice. Um, but okay, in, in all sincerity, though, um, why as Christians, when we talk about mission um, and specifically missions to other countries, what, what is the what is the impetus? What is the reason that we even do these things? Yeah. It seems seems like it's uh, Jesus's command at the end to, right. to go out into all the world. And, you know, he mentions a few geographic locations that um, I probably, I don't know if I'll go to Judea <laughs> or, <laughs> or, uh, or Jerusalem, although I'd like to. But yeah, I mean, he gives us this model of like, hey, I, I've taught you how to live. I've, I've showed you how to be human. Right. I, I've showed you how to... Um, 
how to uh, you know live empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, mm-hmm. now go and teach others to do likewise. Right. Yeah. So go make disciples. Go make other students, and then um, also show them how to live. Uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? So I think that that's our model, right? And then we get yep. that whole idea of like missio dei, like God, God is doing something. Yeah. Um, and then the New Testament authors often uh, remind us that we're invited in uh, in this this ministry of putting things back together. And right. So I, th- I think that that's. I mean, I hope that that's where we get yeah. it. I mean, that's that's kind of the umbrella or the flag that our banner, or whatever you want to call it, that yeah. I, I kind of go under is is from that. So because Jesus says so, yeah. And there's there's sort of like a. And I think with missions, one of our first things that we think of is just the idea of go. Um, we have the Holy Spirit, um, and that's what he promises, right, as you alluded right. to in Acts 1. He says, because of my Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses yeah. in Jerusalem. In your, and like our modern interpretations of this text is Jerusalem is your local context. Judea is maybe your county. Samaria <laughs> is your country. Right and on. the ends of the earth is all the other nations. Um and then the Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty the mm. the Great Commission yeah. the idea of go and teach all nations, right. um, but I think sometimes we just stop at the at the go and the locations. Mm. Um, but you you said exactly what it is that he wants us to do is teach everything mm. that he's taught us to do right yeah. and what and as we've talked about before the thing he taught us is the kingdom of God yeah so how how do we go out in all these places teaching the kingdom of God and there's, I think there's a good question yeah. Chris. And, and I think the short-term missions thing is um, it's interesting that missions can be short-term, hmm. right? If we're, if we're talking about our life of faith, um, short-term just seems kind of like a, an enigmatic terminology, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, you and I, we've worked together for a long time, and <laughs> our first context actually was for a, 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 a short-term missions program. Right. Um, and so I, I, th- I think we've been having this discussion for a while, um, for at least almost two decades now. Um, but it, it's interesting to to still see the value in it. But maybe maybe we should be looking at why we want to change some of the terms, right. or maybe we should be talking about it differently. Um, so even like you alluded to with this idea of short term mission, um, I, you know, I, I don't. I'm not an advocate who says we need to get rid of short term missions. Right. However, I mean, we we both lead short term right, missions. Right, I love it. It's actually yeah. the thing that I probably see the most fruit in when it comes to discipling um, teenagers. However, the term short-term missions definitely has some baggage with it. Right. And I, I think, um, um, I mean, here, here are some of the answers I give when I'm asked, well, you know, why are you calling, why did you call the Guatemala trip a service learning trip instead yeah. of a mission trip? And so here's, here's a few things that I, well, I tell people. Is one, I, I think this idea of short-term mission um, allows us to continue to compartmentalize right. our Christianity. Right. Um, I, right? can be, I can be a good Christian for two and a half weeks, and That's then right. I'll go home. Um, and, and I'll go then, right back to yeah. being, you know, fill in the blank, right. <laughs> the beeps. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, us adults aren't immune to that either. So I think that's the very first thing is just this idea. Um, is it a mission trip? Like, is there a mission? Yes. Is it short term? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do we understand the reason for the, the category or the, you know, calling it that? Sure. But let's really reassess that. And so um, the idea of a service learning trip, I think one of the things that it, even just the, the, the term does mm-hmm. is it implies that we are going as learners. Yeah. Um, because the other implies that maybe I'm going on a mission and I have maybe this endorsed letter uh, from the big guy yeah. or um, a phrase that you and I both use with our students, you know, we, we kind of end up maybe thinking that we're taking Jesus somewhere that he's not already working. Right. Um, he's working in Guatemala. There's, yeah. 
there's awesome leaders in Guatemala. There's awesome leaders in Mexico, and yep. he's doing the same thing there that he's doing here. And so when we, we talk about a service learning trip, then it's more, hey, I get to go and see maybe what Jesus is up to or right. how, is, how is Jesus contextualized in this culture. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and so I think that alone just it already kind of combats some of the yeah. imperialistic uh, tendencies yeah. of short-term missions, and if, that, if that, I can say that without yeah. sounding too ordinary. <laughs> and that's, well, that's one of the ac- accusations that people level is that mission sometimes is just a, instead of the, the mission of God, it's the mission of colonialism, mm-hmm. right? Um, and instead of um, going to a place, um, bringing and teaching what Jesus has taught, we instead like bring and teach our own culture and our mm-hmm. own ideas of what it means to live properly. And so let's yeah. take these savages out of their loincloths and put them in suits and ties, and then they can be called Christians. Totally. Um, and, and that that naturally, like that causes some issues. And I also think that our, <laughs> yeah, our modern context is so different from the first century context, because when the disciples received the Great Commission— it was okay. We'll go into the rest of the world that has never had any exposure to never Jesus. Heard this. Now there are definitely pockets of that um, that are are happening, but we're probably not going to take high school kids. Yeah, there. I'm not taking my <laughs> Christian school kids to um, parts of Iran or North right. Korea or. Um, Can you imagine though? Yeah, <laughs> wild. Um, so there, wherever we do take, I mean, you take them to Guatemala, I go to, to Mexico or the Dominican Republic, there are local churches yep. that are filled with the same Holy Spirit yep. um, that our churches are. And when we do short-term missions, I, I, it's important that we don't overlook that fact, mm-hmm. right? What is God doing totally. to these churches And I there? think one of the things that um, you put on my radar maybe about a decade ago, um, one of the filters that we use often when we come down on these trips and we do start doing the assessments and we're looking at around and, okay, cool, this is a church, but man, you know, they're they're doing things wrong or, or their their infrastructure is not up to our standards in the U.S. or something like this. And we start, we start looking um, at where they're at and assume that they need to be where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I actually ended up uh, doing more research on this and teaching this in a, in a, at my last school. But we start doing this like um, needs-based assessment where we look yeah. around and see what they need. Um, and it's really, it's really ethnocentric because we're, we're telling them what they need based off of what we think that they need. Um, yeah. And you can hear that um, usually in a phrase that, that kids will say, um, and not just kids, us adults as well, when they'll make this, this statement about how people are, they're happy yet they don't have anything. Right. And so we're already assessing like where, like they don't have anything, so they must not, and then, then there's happiness there. So there's something's going, something's something's off, but we're, right. you can hear even our own tone there. And then you introduced me to something new that I think helps combat that as well. Right. And, and that's, what do, you, what do you guys call that? Asset-based community development, ABCD. Right on. Um, and asset-based community development, instead of coming into a community and saying, what's wrong with your community by saying, why don't needs, you have this? <laughs> right. You start with, okay, well, what's right with your community? Yeah. Um, and I think that I, even just imagine um, you're in your American suburb, um, and then a bunch of people from Nigeria come into your suburb, and they're knocking on doors and asking, <laughs> hey, we've noticed that this is wrong with your neighborhood. Mm. Um, what that imme- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what what that immediately does is is it causes shame, it causes inferiority mm. complex, um, and then there's actually a book called When Helping Hurts. I have it here on the table yeah. in front of me. I mostly so have good. it. I've mostly internalized the material, but I always forget their names: Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert. Mm. Um, these two authors have this interesting formula in the book um, that we're kind of alluding to here, and it's that the Messiah complex of the first world 
Um, plus the inferiority complex of the majority world mm. equals harm done to both sides. Because mm. when that happens, um, let's say um, wealthy first world people go to Ethiopia and they say, man, you're so poor, you're so messed up, let me help you. It sort of feeds that Messiah complex. Yeah. I'm going to be the savior. I have the answers. Mm. I have what's right, and I'm going to help you. And so it feeds their Messiah complex, and the people in that country, um, they receive that message, and they say, I'm messed up. I'm yeah. inferior. I cannot do these things. I need you. Right. <laughs> and so that creates, well, you just, I need you. Yep. Um, sociologists call it dependency, yeah. which, I mean, obviously, is dependency. but. Yeah. Um, when dependency is created, it ends up frustrating both sides because then the the majority world or the poor world says, "Well, this is where I am. This is how I'm going to be. I just need to Still here. I need to wait for the Messiah to come." And then the Messiah gets tired of being Messiah, and then you end up with these polarizing statements like, "You'll always have the poor," mm. um, or and, I, <laughs> yeah. and I'd like to jump in at that point too, Chris. Um, because that, that strikes a nerve and it hurts my heart because I don't hear good news there. Right. I don't I don't hear good news for the poor or the needy. I don't hear good news for those in excess and, and with rich as well. Like they are still trying to be the good news themselves. Right. And, and it's, you know, it's unintended. I, I'm a part of this. You can go back two decades and, and I absolutely contribute to some of this mm-hmm. as I learned along the way. And, yeah. and we've watched other organizations go through this and change mm-hmm. and and... So there is hope, you know, we're not just calling it out and saying it's bad, but man, that's a, that is a huge unintended consequence Right. that, that then becomes systemic throughout because we're, we've created a culture, we've created a, a short-term missions culture. Yeah. Um, and so then it becomes kind of the, the business model as well. And so you've got a broken business model minus the good news. Yep. And, sad. and I just got sad. <laughs> Um, sorry, I get kind of cynical during summer. No, it's, it's that. all right. Um, but but with with that, you uh, okay? Here's the here's the real cynicism, and the reason that the industry stays propped up is because um, I, I've heard some people call it white guilt, or but I'm not white, um, and I still have it. <laughs> so we'll call it first world guilt or um, industrialized na- nation guilt. Um, and it, it's when you have resources and money and then you see pictures of swollen bellied African mm-hmm. kids with flies on their faces, um, it creates this sense of guilt. Mm. Um, and then when you go on a short term, short term missions trip for one week, you get to ignore empire. You get to ignore all it's of like, It's like the pain meds I got for my shoulder. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. We get to take a week. Um, a week where we get to alleviate our guilt. Yeah. Um, and then whenever we see those pictures again, we think about that week and we're like, well, I did something. Um, so I don't have to feel mm. bad anymore. Um, and now Ooh, feeling bad obviously is not like, that's not the goal. No, right? the no. goal is not to feel guilt. No. But, and especially I don't think creator God, I don't, I don't think he, he says feel guilty. Right. right? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like he convicts, but right. But huh. if we're using short term missions as a, as a pill to alleviate guilt, mm. then, um, we probably are doing it wrong. Correct. Uh, one of my heroes, uh, um, Shane Claiborne, hmm. um, he talks about how charity and, and, and I think you can, you can include short-term missions kind of in this, this umbrella of charity, how it really does insulate us from the poor. And, and I think by default ends up meaning that we'll always have the poor in that sense. We'll right. use it kind of negatively. Um, and and here, here's what he alludes to. And, and this was huge for me. This was convicting for me. Hmm. Um, and his idea was, okay, so we, we see a group of people, whether it's in our inner city, down the street, or it is in a, in a, in a, a, a developing nation, 
You see a group of people who are in need. And, you know, we live in, a, in an area where we have a lot of excess. And so we can donate our excess, whether that's our time, like a right. short-term mission trip, or our resources, money, this and that. And we can meet a need for the poor. Um, but if we just do it as a one-time act, if we do it by calling an 800 number, if we do it by donating it online, and all those things are good. Right. But what ends up happening, an unintended consequence, again, that ends up happening is that we are insulated from the poor. and We, right. we never end up knowing the people that we're serving. Right. Which um, I'll jump in on that right now. Um, on my Guatemala trip, um, it, it's a mantra that is, comes out of my mouth a lot. I'm, I'm sure the students roll their eyes when they hear it. And, um, my prayer is that two or three of them, <laughs> it actually clicks for them. Right. Um, but this idea that, one, we, we're going to take on the posture of a learner. We're mm-hmm. going to learn from them, right? right. Um, but two, we're going to get to know people. Um, learning, learning people, learning about people actually gives us the opportunity to love them. And then if I love them, maybe I actually will want to serve them or I'll recognize the image right. of God in them. And so one of the big things we talked about uh, on this last trip was all these different le- life lessons that our students are learning daily. It just happens that Guatemala is the backdrop, which is really cool. I think right. the way the brain works, uh, it, th- those things that they learned will actually allow that to take a uh, deeper root. Right. One of our students, we were just talking before we started recording, one of our students learned how to swim. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know if that's what you include in your letter that you send out to donors that, right. you know, please send me money so I can learn how to swim in Guatemala. But long story short there, these kids are learning these little things and learning how to live in mm-hmm. such a way um, that it should affect them when they come back. So right. that it's not just a one-time act. Does, yeah. that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, the whole time we're there, it's it's learn, learn, learn. What are you learning about this person? Mm-hmm. Don't jump to conclusions. What does it mean to love this person? Um, because I think what ends up happening, this is this is true in my life, is when I get to know somebody else's story, um, it affects me in some way. Now, now I, I kind of have this responsibility to pray differently when I get home. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's consumed differently based yeah. off of what we've seen. Um, but the phrase, and I think I stole this from, from Claiborne, is, is once I realize that my salvation, that the good news that I'm waiting for as well is wrapped up in somebody else's, mm. then maybe I'll actually give a damn and I'll do something yeah. and not just once, once a year, right. but I'll do it here as well. Right, and that, and I that, think like, that's kind of a tirade. Sorry, no, that, that totally <laughs> makes sense. I, what I was thinking is um, something you said reminded me of the brothers Karamazov. Um, because, One of my leaders was reading that on the plane to Guatemala. <laughs> perfect. Um, and there's an interesting conversation um, where Madame Holikov um, is is sort of talking about how she loves people in general hmm. so much. But when it comes to loving individuals, she can't spend a week with them without learning, like become beginning to despise them. Mm. Um, and I think that these service learning trips, one of the things <laughs> that's, that's important when you say be, taking the posture of a learner, one of the most important things there is teaching them to love people. I, you, even in your questions you just asked, you said you made them very individualistic. What does it take to love this person? Mm-hmm. What does it take to love Javier in Mexico? Yeah. What does it um, take to love our tour guide or um, this one orphan at the orphanage? What does it take to love or that, that student? that's with you that's on your team yeah what does it mean to love them individually um because what can happen is um instead of loving individuals we love archetypes Mm. we'll we'll love a a fake image of what a poor person is and we'll say i love the poor Mm -hmm. Um, romanticize it right i'm guilty of that too man and then we don't end up loving individuals and Mm. what we do is we reduce 
real human beings into, have you ever heard the term poverty tourism? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For a while there, I thought I, I coined the phrase. Yeah. 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 And so, so we end up creating like these tours that go yeah. into hey, look. Uh, orphanages and we take pictures with kids. Um, and then afterwards we're like, look how cool I am. I did this thing. I feel good. Guilt alleviation plus image, um, <laughs> plus image, yeah. uh, what it was stimulus. Sure. Yeah. And then, and it makes for great, like you said, it makes for great pictures on any social media and likes. Yeah. I have one that, um, that totally backfired. Here, here's, here's mm. how I learned I was doing poverty tourism unbeknownst to me. Hmm. So I was teaching a, a class on missiology mm-hmm. and on justice, and we were going through you know, sex trafficking and modern-day slavery. I mean, just we're hitting the kids, and everything's going good. We do this trip to the Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. and there's an opportunity to go to uh, Batay. Um, am I saying that right? I don't know. I think Batay would, would be wrong. That's yeah, that's thing. the thing that shoots water like in your butt. Yeah, so Batay... <laughs> Uh, quick, quick context there. Um, uh, the island of Hispaniola on the left side, you have Haiti, and the right side, you have the Dominican Republic. Um, the Haitians were brought in from the left side into the Dominican Republic um, some decades ago to work the the sugarcane, the plantations. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like anywhere else in the world where you've got indentured servitude. Their all of their ID and papers were taken away, so now they're kind of stuck in limbo. Mm-hmm. They're not citizens. They can't they can't live legally in the Dominican, but they also don't have papers to go back to Haiti, and so they're this really jacked up group. And as a teacher, I was really excited, Chris, to yeah. show the students, like, okay, here's things we've been talking about and, 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 and reading about. Let's go see it in, in, in person. And so um, I will start by saying my intentions were really good and yeah. pure. They were really good and pure. Absolutely. Um, we were confronted with poverty like we'd never seen. Um, and, and I'm saying that as, as a missionary's kid who's traveled all over the world, um, confronted with poverty that we've never seen. Um, and we were there just for a few hours, and it, it caused a little bit of chaos. Um, towards the end, there was a, a, a Haitian pastor that we were talking with, and we had some donations of clothes. And I knew enough. <laughs> I knew enough to at least know that I needed to go through him, through the local church, if we were going to do this, um, but not you know just hand it out to people and, and start this chaos. Yeah. Um, but what he said to me forever changed my life. And he mm. said, don't you dare give me those shoes. Mm. Don't you dare give me those clothes. Uh, and, and I was like, why? And he says, you will damage the gospel. Hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, because what will happen is there's not enough for everybody and they will start to, it will start a fight. It will start, mm-hmm. the accusations will start flying that, um, you know, this, me as a pastor, I'm, I'm hoarding, I'm keeping the best shoes for myself. And so it's better that you don't even come here and bring anything. Mm-hmm. It's better that you just pray for us, uh, and pray that God would continue to move here. Yeah. And that, so, so so you have this really like learning experience mm-hmm. and it was great for me as a teacher. I had students with me. And so later in the day, they're crying and wondering, what do we do? How do we help? Why did you take us there, Wayne? Why did you take us there just to get our heartstrings pulled on for two hours, three hours, and then leaving? There's no long-term solution. There's no, I mean, just all, yeah. they just started asking all the right questions that they should have. Um, and then just like reinforcing that with what the pastor said about like, it's almost better that you don't come here. Right. And he wasn't being rude. He wasn't saying yeah. we don't want your, you know, your brotherly love and prayers. Right. Um, but it really just, I think at that point, it finally, it began to click. Yeah. Like sometimes we go and see these things with the right intentions and we, we turned it into a dog and pony show unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I called it instead of poverty tourism, I call it like a mobile petting zoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just taking this group of like, hey, let's go see the, the poor people really quick. And right. wow, if there's... If there is nothing to to connect you with in doing that, 
Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Like if there's not a, like a mission that you're working with or long term. Uh, so yeah, that was one of those ones that we hurt people. Right. We unintentionally uh, unintentionally hurt people. Yeah, and like that. that, that <laughs> Sorry, book, kind of a long story. No, but. that that book I was alluding to, um, when helping hurts. Um, there's a whole series of videos that they put out called "Helping Without Hurting." Yeah. They're free on YouTube. Yeah. If if so you are good. a short term missions trip leader, I I recommend you watch Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Um, and then also, sorry, since I'm putting out resources, um, there was an organization, um. The Chronicle Project, I believe, who, oh, put yeah. out, who put out Missio Docs. You used to work with those guys, yeah? Yeah, those are my, my um, buddies. But they did a, a documentary on on short-term missions in Mexico and touches on a lot of these issues that we're talking about, like dependency and yeah. some of these negative effects. I, I even think about some of the times, like even just thinking about logically, some of the times that I visited orphanages. Mm. Um, you have a, a bunch of kids who have been abandoned by their parents – um, whether it's through death or or yeah. through like just real abandonment, mm. um, the the feeling of abandonment, and then we come and we build relationships with them for a week, and, and then, then we, we abandon, and them. then we abandon oh, them. Oh, Chris! Um, I think that I could have answered that when you asked what did I do last week. <laughs> <laughs> but there, so but I don't think the answer then is to throw your hands up in the air, play more Xbox, and quit. Right. Right. Amen. There there are ways to do this quote unquote short term missions thing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. without making orphans feel abandoned or disempowering locals yep. or turning it into a petting zoo. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about that. Yeah, let's do that. So instead of just doom and gloom and dependency, yeah. which it, and I don't think that we could do things right if we didn't know the pitfalls. Right. And I think that that's um, everybody listening, man, I say it, looking at you, Chris, and I hope you say it to me, like we're, we're not saying that there is that we should abandon short-term missions. Right. We firmly believe, as do you know, the, the old guard <laughs> in front of us and hopefully yeah. the, the young guard, we firmly believe that there's a place, yep. but we also believe that we should be doing things excellent. And, and specifically um, for our schools, probably, yeah. the mo- probably um, one of the most important things is it looks really good for marketing. Yep. That was sarcasm. Dude, I know. <laughs> just the <laughs> silence. <laughs> yep, you're right. Um, yeah, it makes for great home pages. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but seriously, um, I do I do think that, well, I guess kind of one of the reasons that it is marketed is that um, we've alluded to this a lot. It creates these amazing growth experiences for our students. Right, right. And so if – So how do we do it right? Yeah. It, we. So that's one of the reasons we should still do these things is for the growth experiences for our students. But in the process, mm-hmm. um, our whole training experience, our whole way of looking at whatever we're doing in another country needs to say what will help the growth and improvement and development right. of – the people in Haiti, the people in the Dominican, the people in China, Russia, wherever it is that you're going, taking them, giving them just as much, like what would be the best thing for them yeah. socially, emotionally, mentally, physically, um, economically, yeah. what, what would be the best for them? Yeah. Why do uh, Christians go on missions trips? To do what they're told in the Bible. Okay, hold on. Can I redo that? <laughs> <laughs> I can edit. I can edit. Why do Christians go on mission trips? Um, uh, Christians go on mission trips to. <laughs> I, I don't. That's a hard question for me. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I can't answer that. That's okay. To further the kingdom of God, as they're told to do. Like in what way? Uh, by quote unquote spreading the message or showing uh, who Jesus was through their actions. Um, of the mission trips you've gone on, what's what's been your favorite part? Um, being able to connect with the people that live there and seeing how they 
experience life differently than we did. My favorite part is getting to meet the people that live there. Let's uh, let's talk through. I, I'd love to let's take a look at our program. Sure. Because um, I think that we're doing some things okay. Yeah. We're, we're always we're always open to to doing things uh, better. And so, I think one of the things that starts with because um, our school that we work for, mm-hmm. we actually partner with with an orphanage type home. Right. And so when I said you know last week I I was guilty of doing that and uh, causing more abandonment issues. Yeah, we we were there. And yeah. so like let's let's take a look at that. And so I think one of the things that I've been so impressed with this this community that we're at right now mm-hmm. that we're teaching at is they they wanted to find a place where they could they could put down roots. Yeah. And so you're already thinking in a whole different arena. You're already thinking about sustainability and relationship versus mm-hmm. just going with an outside organization who will take you on a trip and, and kind of does their own thing as well. Right. I even remember some of your early conversations about this ministry. Um, there were, it wasn't like a business plan, but there were definite like long-term plans that had to be hashed out before committing. Before we could actually right? say we're going to do this. Whereas yeah. in a lot of um, short-term missions, you just show up to a place that you know nothing about and right. then you leave. And yeah. you, you don't know where to find it. You don't know how to get there again unless you use that organization. And follow up yeah. on the seeds that were planted. Right, exactly. Um, and so so they're already we, our school partners. So we partnered. It's not an orphanage. Like the kids actually aren't up for adoption. These are all kids who've been abandoned. And, right. and legit, like abandonment issues, and I mean, it's it's, it's heavy stuff. These are right. kids who've seen their kid, their parents killed, and most of the girls at this children's home have been raped. Mm-hmm. Some of the little babies that our kids are actually playing with belong to like the fifteen year old girl there. Wow. Um, that's intense. Yeah. You know, that's intense. And so. Um, the fact that our school is partnering with that school long term, right. that makes me feel really good about even what we do when we show up. Yes. And so, and so, in my mind, what that looks like is we have a relationship with this this children's home in Guatemala. We have a year round relationship where right. we are fundraising on, at our campus, and we're giving money to like a monthly salary for a psychologist to help right. all these students who yeah. are going through PTSD. Uh-huh. Um, we have a nurse there now. Um, we were able to do plumbing issues, and so. It's not a one-time come down with a chunk of, of cash, uh, you know, do our quick assessment, find out what they need, and then pay for it. It is yep. this ongoing relationship, which, which for me, Chris, makes it so beautiful when I come down. Because here's the reality. Um, I didn't take 15 teenagers who were about to become like professional construction workers. Yeah. Um, I didn't bring any electricians. I didn't bring right. any painters. And so... When we do these trips where we go down and, and maybe we'd have some work projects, it's often kind of silly because we don't do this kind of work at home anyways. We right. pay somebody else to do it. Exactly. And so what I love about our current model is those things get done. We have kind of um, we have little campaigns. We raise money. We're able to infuse money into the local mm-hmm. economy in Guatemala. We can employ people who are unemployed who, who are working down there. And so yeah. we're able to get that work done. Which then allows us when we go to do something that we can do well, and that is be fully present right. and to love the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you've got two full-time workers at this children's home who are overseeing 30 to 50 kids on any yeah. given month. Um, how do those kids – like we can fill in the gaps. like right. Like – holding a kid's hand when we walk from the kitchen to outside because there's actually enough time to do it right. or painting a picture with a kid or just playing and giving them some childhood back. Yep. And so already I love that idea. I, yeah. I love the idea that I'm taking students and the skills that they have, 
Yeah. They can do that. Does that make sense? Yep. And there's there's three buzzwords that you use yep, in there yep, that yep. if we're gonna make <laughs> Go if we're it. gonna make bullet points for people to digest, um, one is sustainability. There it is. From the outset, um, you need to be considering what is this gonna do in the long term and can this thing be sustained long term? Or is this gonna be one fireworks show that never comes back? Yeah, and especially I wanna jump in on that one. Um, this is where our Messiah complex and our mm-hmm. egos, we really need to check it at the door. Um, if this, this trip is awesome. I mean, the mm-hmm. kids come back with great pictures. Um, I've been doing it for over a decade. They come back with great pictures. They come up with great stories, but if it, if it's Wayne's trip, yeah, if it's Chris's trip yep. and it's, it's not, it's nothing beyond that, then this thing is not going to work and it's going to die right alongside my ego. Right. So sustainability means, um, much bigger than the one individual. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. That's not the only thing it means, but I think that yeah. that's huge to hear. And so even, even just having that in mind is the first big step. Another thing you used is the word relationship. Mm. Um, we, um, when we work with other people in other countries, we are working with people. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that if we overlook the relational part of it, if we overlook the fact that there are other human beings with whom we are working, then we are missing out um, on probably the best ways of doing this oh, ministry. So huge. And the relational thing is very closely tied to probably a third point, which is partnership. Yeah. You said partnering, partnership, working with yeah. all of those words. Um, if we are going to work in a place where there will never be another person working unless we come back, um, then it is the opposite of relationship and sustainability. Yeah, what that's imperialism. Wanna, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what we want to do is figure out what God is already doing yeah. and people who already have God's vision and dreams caught that vision. and helping come alongside that vision and dream. So in, in Mexicali, for example, there we work with churches, yeah. which so it's, it's interesting – like if if we think of missions trips as like going down to preach the gospel, like right. we're going to a church yeah. where that they have. It's the like we're going to go visit some cousins and family, exactly. and hopefully encourage them and love them, and hopefully feel encouraged and loved yep. by them, and we get to bring some information back. And exactly, and they they want to reach their that neighborhood. sounds relational. Yeah, in in Mexicali, um, it's it's a specific um, neighborhood called Colonia Carvajal. And they love the kids in their neighborhood as well. And mm. they love their church kids and mm. they want to reach out and clean up their community as well. And so instead of us coming in and doing things, we say, we come in and say, hey, what are your dreams? What are you guys doing? What are doing? your visions? Mm. Um, and then how can we, as your cousins, as your brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ, how do we jump in on your mission and your vision that God has given you yeah. and then help you have like a shot in the arm, yeah. give, you, give you a boost and help you get to that next so step? So the, the buzzword there is like that mutually designed. Exactly. Partnership, right? Yeah. And that's, um, that makes me think of, uh, even like what you were talking about, uh, earlier, uh, about the group, you know, just coming down and, and doing their thing and, and, uh, I'm blanking. Like leaving? Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Leaving. I, I had a, a thought in my mind. There, there was a, a, a pastor in Mexicali. Uh, remember this story about the guy who like the groups who would come down and like, Oh, you're talking about like knocking on the door, like the Nigerians. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Um, there's no relationship in that, right? The people that just come and knock on my door and tell me that there's things that we can do better. There's no, I'm not, I'm offended because there's no relationship. I don't know right. you. You're an outsider. You're from, you don't even speak my language. That's kind of offensive. And so when we do that ourselves, it can become extremely offensive, right? right. It's at the, at the, the expensive relationship. There was a pastor in uh, Mexicali who had received these like gung ho American teams who mm-hmm. really want to get down there and do work. Um, and it, he could tell kind of from the get go if somebody came down wanting to get to know them and the ministry they were doing in this church, or if they just wanted to do a work project. Right. And 
So he had a work project designed. You remember this story? Mm-hmm. Um, he would say, okay, youth pastor Chris, you have 20 Americans who you know want to do some hardcore work. I have this property and we need a fence. And so they would build this fence and they'd go throughout the week and they'd feel good. And the pastor was like, well, you know, they didn't really get to know me, the, the local pastor. Like they yeah. didn't get, get to know me, but they, they left feeling like they accomplished something. Mm. And so when the next group would come, uh, and if it was the same kind of mindset, this more imperialistic mindset, uh, at the sake of relationship, they just wanted to get get to work. You know, they had their gloves on. He said, "Well, I've got this um, fence that needs to be <laughs> taken down," um, and I, I love slash like loathe right. <laughs> that example. Yeah. But what what he said was like, "Well, if you don't want to have a relationship with us, I, I've got some stuff that you can do if you want to keep on using that model. But right. but if you you want to do work, you actually want to get dirty." It's in relationship, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. we're all a part of families. Yeah. And that's when it gets dirty and yeah. messy, and, and that's reality. <laughs> and Mex- in the church in Mexicali is the prime a prime example. We've yeah. been working with this church for about um, eight years yeah, now. Yeah, a long time. Um, and as a result, like when we come down, they know our drama. Yep. We know their drama. Yep. The first year, it wasn't like uh, that. The second year, it wasn't like that. But it's, after, like, it's like three, four, five, yeah. that, that like honeymoon is over. Exactly. Oh, and we, and we realize like, oh yeah, this person doesn't get along with that person. Ooh. And on our team, like there's these things going on with their school. Um, and, and as a result, we do start to feel like family because family um, knows each other's garbage. Yeah. Um, but it's not until we know each other's garbage that we can deal with it. Yeah. Right. And if we're just, if we just have this front up and we come in because we want to build a fence or build right. a wall, then, um, we're actually not doing the, no, the it, work of the gospel. We're not. And then we're also feeding our own, um, pharisaical gospel, yes. aren't we? Yep. Cause then it's, it's all about our outer man. Yeah. So yeah. So relationship, uh, partnership, partnership uh, sustainability, sustainability. I think, I think those are the big, yeah. um, Honestly, I, I could summarize this discussion back to your example again with the Nigerians coming to my door. Mm. Um, if it's not done under the guise of relationship, yeah. then then you're in the way. Yeah, um, I say that I'll say it this way: if I'm not doing it un- under you know the umbrella of relationship, then I am in the way. Right. Um, I think that's yep. I think that's where it starts. And to know people is, is to have the ability to love them and to serve them. Yeah, and I think one of the I know that it's maybe oversimplified, but in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says this thing that is the golden rule. Um, and do, do unto others as you would want them to do for you. Someone knocked on my door. If, (laughs) if someone, look, if someone came from out of town into my neighborhood, wanting to play with the kids in my neighborhood in the street, um, I would be like, who are these people? Um, stranger danger. Don't play with my kids. Especially in our culture. Right. Um, and I, Chris, I don't know if I've ever even thought about that. That's huge. (laughs) (laughs) One time, one time we went to, um, there's sort of like a, a little bit poorer community kind of near us. Um, in a city in Orange County, of all places. <laughs> um, but there's an organization, um, and I want to give props to them. They're called Solidarity. Yeah. And what they've done is they've moved into this community um, to be the church in the community, mm. but also to discover the church yeah. in the community. And they do this thing where um, for the f- they do these immersive experiences. So for the first hour, they have you walk around the neighborhood, and then they sort of observe what you do. Some people pick up trash. Mm. Some people start to play with kids. Mm. Um, and the only thing they tell you is build a kingdom. Um, I love it. And then afterwards, they sort of deconstruct everything that we've done. Oh, you picked up trash. What are you telling the neighbors by picking up trash? You can't take care of yourself. Yeah, um, you're, you're, you're dirty. Um, or you playing with the kids. What are you saying to the parents? Oh, you neglect your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay for strangers to play with your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they sort of deconstruct that and say, if you want to help the poor, then you live with the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you become. You enter into relationship with them. You partner with what God is doing wow. in that area already. 
Uh, we should make that mandatory to do before all of our trips. Yeah. Yeah. Note to selves. Note to selves. Go to solidarity. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge, Chris. Yeah. That's um I think one of the other parts of short term mission that I love so much is kind of that idea there though. But um let's be honest, dude. I, I, this Christian thing, I heard a lot in classrooms, I heard a lot from from the stage, mm-hmm. I heard a lot from people, but um, back to a quote that I, I drop a lot from one of my mentors, like it's caught, not taught. Yeah. One of the reasons I think we, we need to be doing these service learning trips or mm-hmm. Christian opportunity, whatever we're going to call them, um, is so that kids can catch it so that they can take what they've been learning in the classroom, what they've been learning in Sunday school, and yeah. they can go and see how it actually plays out in real life. And if, if this last mission trip I just did or service learning trip I just did, if I see it more as an extended extension of my classroom as more of the laboratory, yep. well, then we can take on the posture of a learner. We right. can emphasize um, what are we doing good? What are we doing bad? Yeah. Um, because I think that this – because ultimately what we want, and we kind of mentioned in the beginning, is we don't want it to be just a one-time act right. and compartmentalize. We want it to change the way they live, they consume, right. they pray, they interact, all those things. And so – I think one of the major reasons we need these trips for our youth and for our adults is to see what does Christian living actually look like, right. um, which is why we use the phrase, get out of our comfort zone, because yeah. our comfort zone, if we're really being honest, let's be cynical, means I'm not living like a Christian. Right. Our comfort zone means I am, I'm taking care of my own comforts. It's, it's the aesthetic life, mm-hmm. right, and, and whatever and, makes me feel good. And there's a, an author, I think it's David Platt. Something yeah. Platt. He uh-huh. wrote a book called Radical. Um, and in his... If you were in the South, you would know that name for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there are some. He, at the end of his book, he proposes this radical experiment. What does it mean mm-hmm. to get back to the roots of Christianity and live this radically different life? Um, and part of it is dedicating um, part of your life to some t- sort of short-term missions. Yeah. But like, the way he frames it is not... Um, it's not like, okay, go on a short-term missions trip to have fun, but Mm. it's go to an experience where you are so solely focused on the kingdom, where you're taken out of your comfort zones, where you have a completely different context, um, so that you can learn how God is working, how he's ministering and you can learn ministry. And then those two weeks can then therefore transform the other 54 weeks. Um, absolutely. Wait, how many weeks in a year? 52, 56. Whatever. When I hear 52, I just think of cards. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably why I'm thrown off. Either way, those two weeks of your life or that one week of your life right. then transforms should, the rest yeah, of your experience. It should influence and inform. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, even this morning, uh, you know, I, I threw out a group, a group text to the, to the group, and it's constantly trying to get them to think about and debrief what they were learning and trying to keep it at the forefront of their mind while they're here because it should transform. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the kids aren't going to come back like – I mean, they could. I guess they could see something amazing and come back like radical Christians, so to speak. But really, it's about giving them opportunities for seeds to to land, hopefully in the good soil of their hearts, and that they grow into mature, kingdom-focused, Christ-following human beings. Right. And if (laughs) if that's not what we are meant to do as Christian school teachers, as Bible teachers, then I don't know what we're there for, right? If we're just having them memorize um, parts of the Levitical law, then we're creating is. new Pharisees and not creating new disciples of Christ. My, uh, dude, that'll preach right there. Yeah. My, uh, my, my little gung ho speech with parents at the beginning of the year is I'm basically telling them how I teach and why I teach the way I do. But the, the phrase that I use is, you know, the world doesn't need more Christian robots. 
Yeah. Um, you know, that, that doesn't change the world. What we need is people who are sold out, yeah. who, who've caught the vision of God, who are just crazy enough to believe him yep. and want to get out there in those dark and broken places. And, and they're not so dark and not so broken places, but they want to bring the good news into those places. Yep. And so I think these, these trips allow us, um, like Jesus said, it allows us to, to – um, show kids what it means to be human the way that God intended yep. uh, and what it looks like to have true human relationships, not the way the world is telling us and defining them, but the, the way that the Father defines it. Yep. So if you are at a Christian school that doesn't already have some sort of missions program, um, then then we definitely would say start one. Yeah. And you, um, could, you could hit us up. Like yeah. we've, we've been doing this for a while. Like... Um, Email us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get us on, on social social media. Yeah. Um, and and the, here's why we say it. Not not as egotistical maniacs, um, but as people who have gray hairs because we've done things wrong and uh, right. have been in the game for a while and would love to be a, a part of that with you, um, right. walk with you. So. And, and so if, if you have that itch, have that bug, which um, if you are a follower of Jesus, I, we probably should all have you that itch or bug, um, <laughs> then yeah, start something up to, yeah. to help those students students go beyond the the classroom um, into real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you are already doing short-term missions, um, then maybe use this as an opportunity to evaluate. Um, Yeah, Yeah, take a step back and look at what you're doing. And And even though we've been doing this for a while, yeah, there are times when we are not relational. We do not do things that are sustainable. Oh my gosh, I could tell you three or four things that I messed up on this last trip. But I love that even like the psalmist says, like even in the good that I'm doing, God, check my heart, check my motives. And so even if your program is good, Check your motives, check your heart, check yeah. out what you're doing. Could it could it be more fruitful for the students? Could it be mm-hmm. could it combat some of our individualism or combat some of our selfishness? Yep. And so. let's go forth um, and do good relational, sustainable work partnering with God's kingdom workers all over this good greener. Amen. Amen.